What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are back with the fourth edition of one of our favorite things we do around here. Strange as it is, it's bikes versus skis again, folks. It's arguably a stupid title. It's even more arguably a stupid exercise. And yet, we love it. And so do you. Don't don't deny it. And one of the reasons we love it is that it does actually function as a great thought experiment to really kind of get a sense on an even more micro level of who's doing what and how the balance of power is kind of shifting around in the bike world and in the ski world. And joining me in this fourth edition of Bikes vs. Skis is Luke Coppa, David Golay, Dylan Wood, and Simon Stewart. And I gotta admit, the crew came with some pretty good insights and thoughts. Except for Dylan Wood, there's one thing in particular. Honestly, I'm, all I'm going to say is I completely understand if some of you listening to this now have identified your absolute least favorite reviewer at Blister, but just please don't murder him. That's all I'm going to say on that front for now. But dear Lord, Dylan, you can't say things like that. Okay, one other caveat I want to make before we get started here. We're really focused here on bike frame manufacturers, companies that actually build frames and then outfit them with whatever shiny bits that they want to hang on those frames. And then on the ski side, we're really staying focused on brands that make and sell skis. We are not really going into ski boots and the like. So keep your focus here on skis itself. This episode of Gear 30 is presented by our Blister Recommended Shop, Gear West, and you can check them out at gearwest.com. Gear West is our recommended shop in Long Lake, Minnesota, and right now, almost the entire Alpine Ski Department is 20 to 40% off at Gear West. Plus, they have tons of demo skis for sale in-store and online, and they are in excellent condition. And as we head into spring and summer, they also have a large bike shop and running department and more. Just one more thing on the bike side. Right now, Gear West is really excited about their custom Dream Build bikes so stop in on your way through Long Lake, Minnesota, or check out their entire online store at gearwest.com. Oh, I'm sorry, one more thing. Blister members also receive 20% off phantom wax applications and 20% off custom ski boot footbeds. You have to have a custom footbed if you're a Blister member. Otherwise, what, like, what are you doing? Are you even blister membering if you don't have a custom footbed? So yet another reason to stop in to Gear West. And with that, let's talk bikes versus skis right now. All right, well, we are back the fourth time we've done bikes versus skis. Arguably a terrible name, 
But we just had this conversation off mic and David Golay decided that there's a legacy element to it. So while it might not be the greatest name of all time, it's now kind of legacied in. And so that's just is what it is. It's bikes versus skis now till the end of time. And I guess the great question is, how do we sum up this exercise of ours? Actually, let me put this to David and see how he would articulate this project. David? Yeah, I think it's sort of just a survey of the state of the bike and ski industries. And in part one here, we're kind of doing bigger picture questions about what brands are doing certain things well or less well and how they sort of compare to each other. And then in the subsequent part two, we will be making direct brand to brand comparisons of being brand A is the ski equivalent of bike brand C or whatever. And so uh, we'll invite your comments on that matter to kind of kick us off for that one and then go through our own lists there. But yeah, for now, the task is just talking about who's doing what in both the bike and ski worlds. That's pretty good. And yeah, just for the historical record, this whole weird exercise got started with conversations that I used to have with Noah Bodman. Shout out to Noah Bodman. He's out there raising, I think he's got like seven twins, something like that. And so he's unable to do anything other than keep all these little children alive. Um, But we miss you, Noah. And um, even though the last time you were on Bikes versus skis, you weren't very good because you were sleep deprived and trying to keep, you know, the twins alive and all that. So we did not invite you back, but I can't wait for your kids to grow up and get you back in this mix, um, you know, when when the time is right. So shout out. And also, I guess that was a lot of put downs on Noah, both at the same time, but that seems about right. Well, and for a small update there, though, uh, Noah is going to be doing some reviewing for us this summer. So we've got some stuff heading his way. There will be Noah Bodman content appearing on Blister in a bit here. But uh, yeah, he's missing out on this one. He's missing out on this one. So get your strength, get your mind right, Noah. I never questioned his ability to review bikes. It was more bringing, you know, really bringing the heat on bikes versus skis. That's where I'm still like, "Mm, don't think he's ready for that. But um, yeah, always fun to read Noah's bike reviews. So. Yeah, look forward to seeing those come up. Okay, we've given our shout out to Noah. We've made fun of Noah. I think we can get going here. And we should say too, this part one is going to air on Gear 30. And then, you know, trying to be a team player, we thought we would air part two over on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast. So for those of you who aren't up on listening to Bikes and Big Ideas every week, first of all, what are you doing with your lives? Secondly, You don't want to miss this second part because it gets pretty fun. But for now, time to survey two industries. Um, First question, what companies are currently offering the best bang for the buck? David, I might have you start here. What did you come up with on this one? Well, this is a non-traditional and perhaps surprising answer, but I'm currently reviewing the Yeti SB160, and it is clearly so superior to be worth the $5,000 frame-only price that it commands. Um, no, kidding. It's a good bike. Um, we'll have more to say about that one in a little bit, but uh, that was a joke. Um, my actual answer is, as per usual, kind of the direct-to-consumer companies are the ones that are at the front of the pack here. Uh, and so 
there have been a bunch that we've kind of talked about in past iterations of this, but I think YT is the one that I'm going to call out as having the little bit of an edge over some of the more obvious or, or other obvious candidates like Canyon and Comensal right now. Comensal in particular, we've called out before, but they have edged upward on the price front in recent years and are no longer quite as excellent on that front as they once were. Um, so, yeah, YT is the winner with uh, Canyon and Vitus actually getting my kind of honorable mentions at the moment pretty solid dylan wood yeah i also had yt and to be clear we all don't know each other's answers we all wrote down our answers separately um but i also came up with yt independently uh, i was looking on their site and you can get their capra enduro bike with sram ultimate suspension sram gx eagle axis drivetrain and a carbon frame for forty six hundred dollars which is pretty crazy and there's some sacrifices with little tidbits in there but it's really good value. Simon Stewart. Uh, first of all, that was that was a pretty funny joke, David, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> do you guys, this might date me a little bit, but you guys remember the dating game? It was a, yeah. it was a sitcom, but the, the premise to that was the couple didn't know each other's answers and then the host asked questions and see how close they were to each other's answers. And that's what this reminded me of right off the bat. But So I had um, everything you guys said, of course, I had those direct-to-consumer brands. I had Common Sol and Canyon. Um, and I think I would give Canyon the, the edge on that. But I think I would um, sort of mix up a little bit and throw a not uh, direct-to-consumer brand in there of Marin. Those guys are doing a great job of giving you lots of value in both um, e-bikes and non-motorized bikes. So I'm going to throw Marin in the mix. Interesting. Luke Kappa, what do you got? Uh, agreed. The only thing I wanted to add is that we recently published a first look of uh, one of Canyon's new e-bikes. And in particular on the e-bike side, they seem to be doing a really good job on the value, um, like ratio price to performance. Um, I was kind of blown away that several of their builds were cheaper than some non-motorized builds from other brands. Um, But I was also surprised to see that YT, for some reason, I thought they were not as good of a deal as the other direct-to-consumer brands, but then I went through their website earlier today, and yeah, as Dylan mentioned, like builds like that copper build uh, really stood out. Gotcha. Okay, let's switch to the ski side of things. Um, current best bang for the buck on the ski side, Luke Kappa. What do you have? I can't pick a brand. Um, I think there's a serious difference. Um, from a price perspective in terms of the ski market versus the bike market, like bike market, you're talking, if we're just looking at full suspension bikes, you could get brand new, you could get maybe probably some around two grand all the way up to non-motorized, like 12 grand, I think now, whereas skis, like I was going through searching around and like, you can get some very good skis for, we're talking new prices, five to $600, but below that, the options are really limited and there's tons in the seven to 800 range. Uh, so I couldn't identify any singular brand. Um, I think Vishnu is probably one of the best options I could think of in terms of brands uh, like across the board, even though they only make a handful of models. But instead, I just flagged a few specific skis that I think are really good deals. Um, Solomon QST 92, Line Blade Optic 92, the whole Vocal Blaze series, the Atomic Bent 100. 
are all hitting in that kind of 550 to 650 range. Uh, but I couldn't really identify a brand that stood out as being significantly cheaper or better for the price than other brands. Dylan, what'd you have? Yes, I agree. Skis were way harder, but um, Surface, I know a lot of friends who who ski on Surface skis and they all like them. And basically any Surface ski is like between 550 and 650. They don't really have the you know difference in price range like mine for example that luke brought up mentioned where the blade optic 92 and the blade optic 114 are a couple hundred dollars apart in price go lay thoughts on this one yeah um one thought i was gonna throw out was actually also line in particular because as of right now when we're recording this they have a lot of stuff on sale on their website and so they're selling a ton of stuff for well under its standard retail price which gives them a nudge the one that I was thinking of for this year in particular. And since we have said we're going to be better about doing bikes versus skis annually, no missing, this will, you know, capture this moment in time. But for this past ski season, peak skis was running for quite a portion of the winter, like a buy one, get two skis. Now, I can't fathom that that is going to be a long-term offering of theirs. But as they were new to the ski industry this season, um, that certainly uh, caught my attention uh, from a value point of view, I suppose. But again, I think that's a short-term thing, not a long-term strategy. So, uh, But interesting, bike companies kind of winning on the bang for the buck conversation as a whole at the moment. Or just there's more price stratification in the bike world than there is in the ski one. So there's more room to have some that are notably affordable. Well, that's what I would, that's what I meant if I just had more coffee today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you can get a, a pretty decent ski for five to 500 to a thousand bucks versus oh, this $5,000 bike is a really good deal. Like, I don't know if we can call it winning. <laughs> Well, when we start blister cheap skis and we sell them new for $189 a pair, that's when we'll really put the the whole industry on notice. Simon? Well, yes. And one thing you can't um, forget is that, you know, when you do buy your bike, for the most part, you know, you're, you're kind of done. You don't have to pay to go ride it every time you get on it like you do with skis. So, let's not forget about that little detail, hey? It's true. Um Great point. Okay, next question. Which companies have the most dialed, complete lineup with something for nearly every rider? Who wants to kick this one off? Dylan Wood. To me, I think the answer is pretty clear on the bike side of things being Santa Cruz. They have like every single bike you could think of really from an XC hardtail to a downhill bike that you can get you know, full 27.5, full 29, or even mixed wheel configuration on it. And then everything in between, like, you know, an Enduro 29er, a 27.5 wheeled long travel free ride bike at a time where not many people are making free ride bikes, um, you know, both mullet and full 29 trail bikes with the high tower and the 5010, short travel trail, XC race, full suspension. Like, I think you could Anybody could buy a Santa Cruz that they'd be happy with. 
David Golay. I think that's a very good call if we're specifically talking about kind of mid to high end mountain bikes. Uh, I so I kind of had Santa Cruz noted through that framing and then specialized if you want to look at the bike market a little bit more broadly to include commuter bikes and road bikes and kids bikes and a bunch of stuff in categories that Santa Cruz doesn't cover. So depending how you want to frame it, I think those are my two answers depending on which of those two. Simon? Yeah, uh, like David, my mind when I saw this question went immediately to the big picture. I I, I had kids bikes, commuter bikes, fat, I almost said effing, fat bikes, and um, (laughs) everything in between, right? And then it is hard not to um, think about the big three when you're in that um, in that market, looking at the big picture. So I would have said specialized too, but David just said that. And um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go to our friends in Canada on this one and throw Norca out there because they have a massive catalog of bikes also, and they're not specialized. So I'm gonna throw those guys out there. Luke, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I was going to say Specialize or Trek. Um, I think this, the Santa Cruz point is a good one, especially in the higher end category. They have, I mean, arguably they have a lot of bikes that overlap, um, which can make their lineup a bit confusing, but it is extensive. But Specialize and Trek have a lot on the lower end as well as uh, the electrified category. Uh, both Specialize and Trek make a lot of Everything from like super high-end lightweight e-mountain bikes to commuters. I was just happened to be going through Specialized site uh, today, just looking at what they have going on. And I think when I just when I filtered only full suspension bikes, there were three pages of bikes with like twenty or thirty showing on each page. So they've they've got a lot going on, and I think just the the bigger brands have an edge there. Ski side of things, this will be interesting. I think the ski side was also harder for this question, but I settled on K2 being that K2 and just thinking like, I guess I'm in the same way that I answered the mountain bike question. I'm only thinking downhill or like Alpine skis here. So like, you know, K2 has the disruption front side series. They have the mind bender, more directional all mountain series. They have the reckoners, more playful skis. They have the waybacks for those ultralight touring. They have the, Dispatch for more free ride touring. I think they cover almost every single base in a lot of ways that other ski brands don't quite. Luke, what do you think of that? I had, I didn't have K2 on my top. Uh, Mostly I was thinking, or I ended up in the same place in terms of the bigger brands. Um, I had Solomon and Vocal as my top two. Um, Thinking about, yeah, everything Dylan just mentioned, everything from piece specific skis to solid all mountain skis for both people who prefer something more stable and demanding and also who don't pretty expansive touring lineup powder skis freestyle skis um yeah solomon and vocal especially considering the ones we've tested in recent memory i feel like they managed to cover a lot of bases pretty well um Solomon, I think, particularly stuck out to me because of the revised Stance series this year and the new QST Echo. I feel like those filled some some gaps in their lineup, whereas Vocal just has, just makes so many different skis in different categories that that was kind of a, a no-brainer for me. But you seem a little less focused on the dialed part, right? I mean, you're you're right. Like, these 
companies you've named. What I like about Dylan's answer is he's making the argument that like they don't just offer these things, but the specific categories are quite good. So I'm giving Dylan's answer. Dylan gets a plus one for the better answer than you on that part so far. I just assumed we were taking that into account. Uh, I didn't mention it, but if you want, I can go into every single lineup <laughs> and why I think they're they're pretty okay, good. So don't do that because uh, you know we got places to be eventually. <laughs> eventually, but um, but then rank them more strongly, like who you think is hitting all of these different categories. You said Solomon and vocal. You didn't say which one. And who are you putting over K two if if you're putting both of them over K two? Yeah, I would put both, in my mind, both Solomon and Vocal over K2. Between Solomon and Vocal, I feel like Solomon has... They have a more compact lineup, but I think all of the skis we've tested from each category have been quite good. Uh, The main caveat is that we haven't tested a ton of piece-specific skis from Solomon and Vocal, Um, but I know... I mean, on the vocal side, they're, they make so many different like sub 80 millimeter, millimeter skis. I've spent a lot of time on their website trying to decipher the differences. Got on some at the summit. Um, generally pretty positive impressions and they have a very good reputation. So, I'd maybe give the edge to vocal, but as will be the case with a lot of my answers, I wasn't able to make a, a super conclusive decision. So I guess that I, I lose some yeah, more you points lose, again. You're like minus ten now after all that talking. Um, Does that mean I can leave? <laughs> no. Okay. I I think I'm not gonna argue against those top three. I was. Um, I think. I think Blizzard is offering some very coherent differences in what they're up to. Wow. Luke and Dylan are making stink faces. I didn't finish my thought though. They're the hustle series makes things a bit less clear than maybe where they've been living in the past. And I don't think that they're, they, they aren't expanding into as many different options. I'm I'm now thinking specifically like on the POW side of things. Um, I think K2 would get a pretty substantial nod there if that's the side of the spectrum you're, you're interested in. But, um, Okay. Um, man, guys, let it, let a person finish, you know, finish his thoughts before you, you jump all over. We didn't say anything. <laughs> Those faces. Yeah, at least we didn't um, cut you off. Nightmares. Okay. Keeping it moving. This might be actually my favorite question. Every time we do this, who currently holds the belt in terms of what the cool kids are riding? Bike industry first, David Golay, who holds the cool kids belt at the moment? So I'm going to start a little bit broad here and then narrow it down as I go. But I think there's a, generally speaking, a trend going where there's sort of a renewed interest and more cool kid points being awarded for smaller companies that are making predominantly metal full suspension bikes in a way that that wasn't really the case a few years ago, where like the really hot stuff was all fancy carbon fiber stuff that people were into. And there are a bunch of companies that kind of fall into that bucket right now uh and 
This one's not exactly what the cool kids are riding because you can't actually buy one yet, but the ministry Psalm 150 in particular was getting just a crazy amount of attention at Sea Otter. I think in large part because it's just an exceptionally good looking bike. Um, so aesthetics are going a long way there, but it does look really sweet and um, they're kind of working on getting that one to market. Um, and then some stuff like Contra and Trinity and a whole bunch of other companies, super small companies that are making really interesting handcrafted metal stuff that is getting attention in a way that it might not have a few years ago. But the answer that I'm actually going to put out as the one that has enough bikes out in the world to kind of have some traction, but it's still pretty small and cool is Reeb, especially their new SST and Steezel, their steel full suspension bikes that are pretty interesting. And that's where i'm going with this hmm. simon i can't wait to hear your thoughts on this well uh, first of all i want to go first next time because that's the second time david has stolen my answer <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and secondly i need to talk longer because you guys went on and on and on and on and on about that last ski question holy smokes oh anyhow no don't talk don't david, talk longer. let's, let's, let's lengthen our answers here a little bit so we can balance no. this out <laughs> Um, I did have I did have sort of very similar thoughts to David, where, where the smaller companies making stuff out of metal have a lot of cool factor right now. Um, and Reeb was on the top of my list. And um, first of all, it's, number one, yeah, it was, it was actually number, number one. one. First yeah. of all, is beer spelt backwards, so we love that. Um, that's their whole stick, right? Now there are there are a couple other companies that are still in playing with carbon fiber. Um, and I was thinking about to what that answer would have been a couple of years ago. And how quickly things change in the industry and just kind of rewind. I don't know, maybe this was some of the answers you guys had that in the last Bikes versus Skis episode, but you know, companies like Real Gravity, YT, and Transition were all high on the list, right? Um, and that's still true today, I think. Um, YT less so, I feel like I don't know why. Um, Grail of Gravity less so too, because they were making metal. Then they completely changed their minds and went to carbon. So um, for that reason, they're off the list. <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I think transition is going to be always cool for some reason. I think that's just a, the nature of being in Bellingham for some reason and maybe being close to Canada. I don't know. Um, as far as Canadian companies go, we are one are very cool because uh, they are making a lot of things in country themselves. That's rad. Um, that's a cool company. I've met those folks. Wait, wait. They're, wait, they're cool or the cool kids think they're cool? Two different things. Uh, I think they have a little bit of both going for them, honestly. I think they are cool and the cool kids think they're cool. Um, Common Soul is still hard to beat in that category for a couple of reasons. Um, they pretty much win everything in the downhill circuit all the time. And that's that alone gives them a ton of cool factor. And the cool kids, especially the kids, look up to the racers. So, uh, I'm just going to give it to Common Soul on that. And pretty much that alone is like it is really hard to argue with um, race results on World Cup downhill. There you go. By the way, you just named like 13 companies. Thank you. It's one yep. company. Well, I just gave <laughs> the winner of all of the companies I talked about. So you weren't really listening, were you? I, I got confused. In the, <laughs> I liked you more when you didn't say as much. So wait, is Reeb your number one? No, because I didn't want to, um, you know, have the same answer as David again. Again, you can have the same no, answer. Change my mind. No weird. thanks. I'm going with um, I'm going with Comets all. So there you go. Oh my God. Noah Bodman, hurry back. Um, <laughs> Dylan Wood, thoughts. First of all, thoughts on this. Do you think David and Simon are tracking? Are you you kind of agree in general with what they're talking about, or different take? I agree. Yeah, the coolest brand is the you know obscure obscure metal frame bike that you've never heard of. Um, 
but I think is I, I my answer was transition just because I think I, I know a lot of you know cool cool riders who who ride them and yeah the whole Bellingham scene is pretty awesome I guess the closer to free healthcare to get the cooler you are um, and yeah their their whole brand is around you know not being serious and party on the trails or whatever so that's my answer transition okay Luke. Uh, the only thing I'll add is that uh, the coolest people I know are like the uh, the teens in Crested Butte, the, the teen locals, and they all ride Commonsalls. So, I'll just have to defer to them. Crested Butte teenagers are basically the coolest people on planet Earth, I think. So, that's probably probably the right answer. Um, yeah, one of them is my neighbor and he just bought a Furious. Um, so, it's got to be that. <laughs> Short answers on this because I'm about to introduce like a slight iteration of this question. If you have one answer on like we've talked about, okay, which brand are the cool kids on? But go more specific, which bike, which specific bike, if you're picking out one, is that even a thing that people can talk about? Because I want to do this on the ski side, you know, talk first about like cool kids brand but then try to drill down into like cool kids product. Anybody submitting an, a specific bike? Wow. This is a group like of the, people who uh, are not easy, quick on their it, feet. Okay. The easy answer would be the, we are one arrival because they're a cool brands that cool people ride and they only make one bike in two different travel configurations. So but okay, so we got that. we've got a way to start the conversation. We are one arrival. What would knock that off the top step of the podium? So I think the thing that dings the arrival is that it is very very expensive, and so the younger cool kids are far less able to afford that. And so on that basis, I might be going Comensal Meta SX instead. It's kind of their aggressive enduro bike way more affordable we've already talked about Comins Hall having solid cool kids points going and um it's also a mullet so it's got trendiness going in that metric too uh, on that note the specialized status could be thrown in there too even though specialized isn't a cool kids brand that bike is almost like a different brand itself say, and it's very affordable that, that's a great that call. frame yeah. even have the word specialized on it I don't. I haven't looked close. I, uh, my roommate has one. It just says status. <laughs> um, quick thoughts, Dylan Simon. I would say yeah, maybe I think specialized status or Comensal Meta SX are both pretty good answers. They're you know kind of mysterious enough that you don't see a ton of them, but you will come across them every once in a while. Where it might be different in in um, David's corner of the country, but I don't think I've seen a We Are One arrival actually out in the wild down here in Colorado. There are a couple around, but not terribly many. They're pretty rare still. Simon? Yeah, I'm going to go with the, with the common cell meta as well, but um, I think you can spec a coil shock on that for because if you've if you got to be cool, you got to have a coil. So there you go. This has me thinking whether we ought to introduce a new question each year, most coveted bike or most coveted ski. Is that a, that's a different question, right? Than like, what is the, the bike or ski du jour for the cool kids? Cause there that keeps in the question of budget and what people can actually afford to get. Most coveted is like, you can have anything. What is the product that's winning right now? Um, so 
If we do that real quick on the bike side, do we get to different answers or do you think the cool kids with their unlimited budget would still be getting a status or a meta? No. So I think if we go to that coveted thing, then the arrival becomes a really excellent answer. Um, and maybe there's some personal bias coming through there because it would be on my personal shortlist for something to add to the quiver right now, too. I really, really love that bike, having reviewed it a while back. But um, I, yeah, that's my call. Quick answers. Anybody? We're going with the arrival. See, Luke, I tried to figure out a way for you to win this round, Luke. So you're welcome. I, I would throw out... Um Atherton bikes, just to just to throw that out. Just um, that's a cool brand with great family history. They are going to be expensive as well, and they're doing some unique things with their carbon. So I'm going to throw Atherton out there in the mix. I, I want one. I want to try one. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we haven't first time we're hearing about Atherton in this conversation. Interesting. All right, ski side of things. Um, which company currently holds the belt? in terms of what the cool kids are riding, actually riding. Luke? I think I have the correct answer, although it does require a caveat in that I don't know if the company has a name yet, but looking at this question as it's written in terms of who are the, what's the cool kids skiing on, it's Candide Ski Company. Because as far as I know, Candide and his closest friends are the only <laughs> ones who are skiing on those skis. And they're probably some of the coolest people in the world. Uh, so that's that's my answer for now. <laughs> um, Dylan, that's kind of funny. But Dylan, give us a better answer than that. That's a good answer. My, my answer is kind of the opposite. It's like one of the biggest ski companies in the world. It's Rossignol. You know, even from the free ride world tour to like the, the new age freestyle free ride kind of style that's on the tour. You know, throwing double backflips with Red Bull helmets on your noggin um, to like, you know, going to your local ski area. You know, somebody will be ripping around on a Black Ops or a Sender TI or Sender Squad or something. Why is that a bad answer? I, I think that's probably... Did I say it was a bad answer? I said it was a different answer. Jonathan's subconscious thoughts are coming out. <laughs> Oh, well, it was just kind of funny because Luke's answer was like a tiny little ski company that doesn't exist. This might get a little more nuanced when we go to like a specific product because then I think Rosignol is definitely, definitely in the running at a, at a specific product level. But I think given what everything you just said, Dylan, you're, you're not off base at all. Um, you know... I still think anytime I see somebody at a ski area on a pair of ON3Ps, I still, there's still that like, okay. And I mean, that's, they have been in the conversation since we've started doing this stupid cool kids award thing, but like kind of interesting. I don't think that's really changed. I don't know if it's slipped at all or it's bigger than it used to be, but I still feel that way. Dylan and Luke, do you agree with that or is that more of a question mark for you? I think if I, yeah, if we're framing it as like, if you see someone on a given pair of skis, what are what are the thoughts that come to mind? If I see someone on ON3Ps, I figure that they're pretty keyed into the industry. They're pretty passionate about skiing, which makes them pretty cool. Um, 
I think uh, in the same vein, I also had season 1000 skis and a much newer one, um, simply, uh, Lauren DeMartin's new brand. Just, just thinking about it as like, yeah, if I saw someone on those skis, <laughs> the, the, their, their first impression immediately gets very positive in my mind, just cause I'm like, they know, they know something about the ski industry or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think ON3P has retained kind of that status for a long time. And like, I would put moment in that category as well, but I feel like as moment, like I see a lot more moments than ON3Ps. three P's. I don't know if you guys would agree, um, but maybe that dilutes it a little bit, but yeah, overall I agree. Yeah. And I, you know, specifically the question we're asking is brand. So any ski made by that company. And that's where I still, that's why I answered ON3P this way. Cause there's a lot of particular skis that if somebody's on, I'm like, kind of get that nod, but there might be a lot of other skis from that company that doesn't meet with that same level of snobbery or whatever the hell the right word is. Dylan, thoughts? Yeah, this is my first time being part of this conversation, but if you had asked me this three years ago, I think the very clear answer would have been ON3P back when, you know, Magnus Grainer, Lucas Stahl Madison, Alex Hackle were all still on the team and, you know, every other crazy mind-blowing ski clip on Instagram was somebody with a pair of ON3Ps, green bases flashing in the air. But I think since those guys left, it, the hype has sort of fizzled out a little bit. Golay, thoughts on this? I have fewer thoughts on this one, um, but the first thing that came to mind, this is maybe getting at the next question a little bit, but and you alluded to this earlier too, but uh, of the stuff I skied at the Summit, the Sender Free 110 was the qu- specific ski that I got just by a mile the most people being like oh i heard those are sick like what do you think about them not even summit attendees necessarily just random people in the lift line and then i have a friend who bought a pair and i've skied with him a couple days and it's been the same thing over here it's just like he is getting non-stop questions about him so that one specific ski has really got some traction going but yeah that's true for rosignol as a whole brand necessarily well of course at blister if you're on a pair of black op 118s then we like you, you, you're the coolest person in the world. Um, but in terms of the most coveted ski right now, it's I definitely would put forward as my number one that Rozzy Sender Free 110. Same thing. Every day I was out on that thing in the lift line, people are the most comments for sure uh, that I got all season as opposed to anything else I was on. Luke, do you have a different ski that you'd put above the Sender Free 110? I think looking beyond this season. No, this is about this season. I mean, yeah, as a like from the fall to now, because um, that ski got released publicly in, I believe, January, February. If I see someone on uh, Dina Star M Free 108, especially the 192, I I feel like we're gonna get along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot yes. of really really good skiers here who have chosen that ski as their daily driver uh, for a few years now and I fully stand by their decision. I think that is that and this. I think it's going to be replaced by the Center Free 110 in terms of like skis you ski see on the Freeride World Qualifier circuit and those are aside from Crested Butte Teenagers, those are probably some of the coolest people I've met. Completely agree with you bringing up the 
the M free 108. So we we got a little nuanced here. I said the most coveted ski, most coveted the Razi Sender Free 110, arguably. But what the cool kids are actually riding, the the Dina Star M free 108 has to be in that conversation. Has to be. So that's how I would kind of nuance those out. And you're right. Like the Sender Free 110 wasn't readily available. So coveted, yes, but what the cool kids are actually on M free 108. That's why Dylan's never skied the M free 108. Actually, I actually have none of the cool but... kids would let him on it. Yeah, um, Dylan, thoughts on this brand? I... M- the what are the cool kids currently on? What's the most coveted? Yeah, I agree. I think Sender Free 110 is like that's what the cool kids are on right now. Thinking of you know Max Palm and and, and riders like that, and you know even local Rossnell athletes who got their hands on the ski early who are who are real shredders like Cal Hill here in Crested Butte for example um it sort of feels like the new M3 108 in a sense of when that ski came out a lot of people are really curious about it you know the marvel top sheet spot I'd be like oh my god there's another pair out in the wild and then now there's like you can't go a day without seeing a pair at least here in the western western US um Curious if that'll be the case next year with the Sender Free 110 as it becomes more readily available. Um, I'll also throw out Jet Skis out there. Um, this funny little company that does no marketing on purpose to be all mysterious. And it's really hard to get your hands on their skis. And like no one knows what they actually are until you ski them because they don't tell you anything about them. So, yeah. Okay. You heard it here first, but you probably saw it on the mountain first. So, um, moving on, which company is flying under the radar and deserves way more attention? Simon Stewart, going to you first. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> well, this is, this is, um, um, ironically, the one question I, I have trouble with. Oh, great. Yeah, great. Hurry <laughs> <laughs> back, Noah Bodman. Yeah. <laughs> Noah, can I have a lifeline, please? <laughs> Phone a friend. Gosh, yeah, I, I didn't have an answer wow. here. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't have an answer. Everything is so wow. out there at the wow. moment. <laughs> he complains, and then I do what he wants, and this is what we get. All right, Dylan Wood, save Simon. My answer here is actually one of Simon's answers from earlier. It's Marin for the reasons that Simon explained earlier. They have good value, and they're making pretty good bikes. And I don't think you really see him or hear about him too much. So I'm going with Marin. David. Yeah, that's a solid answer. Not what I had though. Um, the one that I put down was, um, well, I, I kind of had a small company and a big company category for the small company. I went with Kodak. They're probably more common. I'm sure they're more common in the UK. That's where they're based. They are exceedingly rare around here though. And, uh, we're in the midst of reviewing one of their bikes right now. I have been a big fan of it. Our reviewer, Zach Henderson, has it right now. And when I checked in with him just to see how it was going, his response was basically, shit, I think I might have to buy one of these. (laughs) Um, And he sounded kind of disappointed about it, but... uh, (laughs) Got it. So, I mean, this is the Rocket Max specifically. um, Really well sorted out. And um, yeah, Zach and I are both big fans of it. So put them out there. And then my big company category is Orbea. the they've just been doing really good stuff they are again a european company that has more of a presence over there but 
and they've been doing road bikes pretty well in the U.S. for quite a while. But their mountain bike line hasn't gotten a ton of traction. But the stuff we've been on has been great and I think deserves more attention than it's getting. Simon, are, are you ready to contribute to, to our conversation? Am I, am I allowed to? Am I off the yeah. team now? Yeah. No, no, you're just... <laughs> What do you got? What do you uh, think? I mean, we've well, Marin, those are all, Orbea. You no, know, I just didn't think of the big brands, honestly, when I was thinking this. I was thinking about new up-and-coming brands or ones that are so small that they're just, they're just under the radar completely, where Marin's a big enough company where they're not. But they, you're right, um, they only don't get mentioned very often. They're not particularly cool. Uh, and so, uh, But they do have a lot of really great budget bikes. Um, as far as small companies go, I was going to throw out one, actually, not too far from here, um, Canfield Bikes. And... Uh, the reason why they are on the list is that, well, they are really small. Um, they make metal bikes again. We talked about that being cool. Uh, but also they, they do design their own suspension platform, which is really good. It's so good, in fact, that they've licensed it to other companies like Rebel. So their, their suspension works really well. So therefore, um, they're on the list and under the radar. Hmm. Simon Stewart, back in the game. Welcome back. Um, struck out his last last at bat, but um, yeah, hit a solid double on on this at bat. So, um, Luke, anything to add on the bike side of things, or do we shift to ski? Yeah, I think it's just a, a testament to their choices, and that I hadn't thought of any of those. And so, given the question, uh, they all seem, seemed like very solid answers. All right, your turn to kick us off on the ski side of things, Luke. Which ski company is flying under the radar? and deserves way more attention. As a preface, I think the one, the main thing I realized doing research on this is that it's strange to me how many bike companies there are and how few ski companies there are in comparison given what we talked about earlier in terms of like price differences, complexity differences. But um for me RMU and Ferial I'm sure I butchered that name. It's a Quebec brand. Uh, Those two came to mind. RMU has been around for a while, but I feel like they kind of like they've gone in waves in terms of their relevance. Um, But the last several skis we've tested from them in the past couple seasons uh, since they moved their production over to Sweden have just been really, really well-rounded in my mind. They're not for any, not for everyone by any means, but um, just skis that I really clicked with. Uh, and then Ferial is, I think, really interesting because of what they're doing on the manufacturing and material side. I know they're they're working with a lot of larger companies um, to try and develop more or uh, methods of ski construction and material use that are less environmentally harmful, but still maintaining good performance, um, which is really interesting to see from a brand that small. Uh, and we, I've been spending time on their new Surfer 112, and I think they're onto something with the the mostly flax-based uh, laminate construction that they're using. I think that ski is impressively damp for how light it is, and so I'm mostly very curious to see where they go from here. But for a brand that's only a handful of years old, uh, they're starting off pretty strong and are are very interesting in in my mind. Yeah, those are good answers from Luke. Um, Sago mostly came to mind for me, um, which is kind of unfortunate timing, them going through a bit of a rough patch this winter, and we are rooting for them to make it out the other side. But I think they should definitely be in the conversation with ON3P and Moment and those like USA-made 
you know, high end versatile skis that, you know, that have really good followings and yeah, like the comp 110, the big horn, the condor, all excellent skis that I think should be getting some more attention. Okay. Keeping it moving. Which brands do other brands secretly want to trade places with? Um, bike companies first. Simon, can you redeem yourself by going first this time around? Uh, you said I already redeemed myself. You said it was a solid double. Just kisses forgot. Yeah, well, I'll, <laughs> I, I'm going back. This is your chance at first. I need to know if you can actually be in the starting lineup or if you're more of an off-the-bench guy. <laughs> a pinch hitter. <laughs> well... I, I think this one, um, I look at this with the lens that it's it's the big companies that are looking at the little companies, wishing they could trade places with them in the, in the way that they're cool. They have, they have um, you know, great followings and interesting new bikes and things like that. And I think it's hard to beat transition in that department when you look at all the other big companies and, and middle of the road companies as well. Like everything transition do does right now is turning to gold. It seems like everything they make is, is highly regarded. All their goofy marketing is, is well received, so it's like in, in every in every way, I would say that they they just keep hitting home runs, and I think that is why they they get my choice. Yeah, I have the same exact answer. I think they're in a pretty like a sweet spot in terms of you know small brands kind of maybe look up to transition as like a goal of where to get where you're maybe in that you know starting off where you're just working really hard trying to get your feet off the ground trying to have like you know enough orders coming through that you can keep growing and whatnot. And I think the bigger companies are looking at them and their company culture and their location and whatnot and being pretty envious of that. Okay. Any disagreement? Are we moving on? Is transition the answer on the bike side? They're in fact what I had written down too. I have one, for most of the reasons that have already been stated, I have one thing to expand upon that. And it is that I think in general, the companies are just envious of people who aren't stuck with a crazy amount of unsold inventory right now because the bike world has gone very abruptly from everything being out of stock to the opposite problem. And in addition to what's already been said, I think Transition has done a really good job of not trying to grow too quickly and too aggressively and have just kept things at a nice steady level where they're doing well but aren't trying to turn themselves into specialized and have put themselves in a really solid place from that perspective too. Santa Cruz isn't the answer this year. I think in previous years we had Santa Cruz at least in the conversation. Everybody seems I, like I had um I, I had transition as my top pick, but then I had Santa Cruz and Yeti as second picks because of what I assume their profit margins are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh but yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Let's switch this to the ski side of things and Luke will let you kick us off. Which ski company do other ski companies secretly want to trade places with? I think it, for me, it's Black Crows. Um, just because I, I think they've built such a strong brand identity as just this kind of different, cool, we do graphic design only with Chevron's type of brand. And for what, well, for understandable reasons, I guess their appeal has just stuck around every year. Um, and so I think a lot of brands are jealous of that aspect of it. Um, so yeah, Black Crows is my pick this year. Dylan? That, that's an interesting answer from Luke. Not, not exactly what I was expecting. Um, Me neither. My answer for the ski side is basically the same as the bike side, but in a different company or same reasons, I suppose. It's J-Skis. I think they're at a 
at a size that's, you know, sustainable. Um, they sell direct to consumer. So I'm betting they're making pretty good money on every pair of skis they sell because they're not drastically cheaper than say black crows, which you can find in ski shops. Um, and yeah, I think they have a fun looking company. Um, I guess I wouldn't really want to live in Vermont if I were a skier, but I haven't skied there. Oh my there, God. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Direct all of your hate mail specifically at Dylan Wood. Um, that he does not speak for the rest of us. Uh, in this conversation oh, dear lord on. dude you're, you're likely me... gonna be murdered uh no they're too nice over in vermont they're not gonna murder me we're too, far, too away. far away yeah have you seen gas prices oh. um I, I don't think you anyone could honestly like ski an average week in let's say colorado rockies and an average week in vermont and be like yeah i'd rather ski vermont just saying you know, you can info okay. to review <laughs> those, those will all go to my inbox but i'm, I'm ready for it whatever Wow. So, anyway, when Dylan is dead in two weeks, um, we will know why, at least. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably Dylan, just gonna, oh, you don't know how to ski ice. Yeah, stuff like that. Wow, shots <laughs> Dude, I fired. Ski, I ski uphill ice. <laughs> um, okay, I'm, I did not see that coming. Um... I don't share those sentiments. Vermont is great. Vermonters are great. And yeah, while there's a lot of nice Vermonters, their pride in their state is like, they're more proud of their state than anyone else is proud about anything. And so I think you're probably dead within 10 days is my actual prediction. So, um, and I, I'm, I'm just like, certain things can't be said. Certain opinions shouldn't be shared out loud, Dylan. But um, anyway... Um, yeah, like instead of like the the COVID flag on this episode, it's going to be like, if you need more information about the East Coast, <laughs> please click here. <laughs> yeah, the the Joe Rogan Spotify yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, warning. Okay, wow. I didn't hear anything you said after you started talking a lot of <laughs> shit about Vermont. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, we should hustle and move on. Um, I think that, you know, I very much want to take sort of the business side of things into account here. And on that front, not that I've looked at any books or anything like that, but I think my answer sounds a bit similar to transition as an answer on the bike side. Um, I think the arguments were spelled out well for why uh, the choice was transition for bikes this year. And I still suspect that moment is holding down a rather enviable position if they're being viewed from large manufacturers and if they're being viewed from smaller manufacturers. Um, that's kind of my take on that. And I, I think like they continue to grow, but it's not stupid, outrageous, un, like not sustainable growth. Um, and I think right now, there's enough weirdness in the economy and all the rest that like to David's point too, not sitting on a ton of inventory is pretty huge. And, and that actually might be why some custom manufacturers like a Wagner custom skis where they're sitting on virtually no existing in inventory might be a fairly enviable place to, to be in. But, um, but overall, um, again, I liken this a little bit to transitions position that my answer would be moment. Um, okay. 
Next question. We'll we'll be briefer on this, I think, if we're capable. Um, who is currently overhyped at this particular point in time? These things are very subject to change, of course. That's why we, we're going to be doing this every year. Who is currently overhyped in the bike world? David Golay. I put down Fazari, and they're getting some justifiable attention because their value for money in terms of part spec is excellent. But at least out of the sample of one that we've reviewed, the frame's not very good. And there are a bunch of other direct consumer companies that I think have roughly comparable ish part spec values, but bolted to a better frame. Simon? Um, yeah. So I don't know if I agree with that because I mean, I have seen and ridden quite a few Fazaris and, and thought they still fit really well into that but direct to consumer good value category and had good engineering. And the bikes rode really well, the ones that I've ridden. Um, so I don't share the same opinion as David on that one. Uh, but I haven't seen the latest. So maybe, could, maybe the quality's gone down a wee bit. Uh, my selection was sort of um, centered around basically what has been a buzzword on, on mountain bikes, which is high pivot. And um, th- that's all we heard about for a while. So I'm going to throw Forbidden out there and put them under the, throw them under the bus because um, they're one of the ones that have been extolling the virtues of high pivot and that's what they have and um it's just it's, it's a great bike and it's just not great at everything how about that for some reason i feel like david hates you right now <laughs> i'm not sure no okay okay that felt that felt like it was maybe hitting hitting close to home for david for some reason but no uh, wait wait no no, no by, put it, by saying forbidden or by not agreeing with fazari no uh forbidden and high pivots I mean, David's a no. hipster when it comes down to it. So, like, no, I mean, to be honest, I didn't particularly skirt. love the Forbidden Dreadnought when I reviewed that a while back either. So, I think um, Simon's honestly in there. And there are some other high pivot bikes that I think have pulled it off better. So, yeah, fair enough. Wow. Okay. No fights there. Dylan, do you have anything incredibly controversial and likely to get you murdered to say <laughs> on this? I mean, probably. Um, I, I was going to go with Yeti. And, you know, those dentists have a lot of money and a lot of sharp tools. Um, and all of them live on the East and, Coast. It's yeah, crazy. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I guess David and Simon were more answering from like a product standpoint. I'm, I was more answering of like, what, where does that, where is the hype not matching the brand? And I think Yeti makes good bikes. I haven't been on a Yeti that I've disliked, but I think for how much hype they get, I don't think they're that much better than the competition. Okay. Luke? Uh, I, I won't chime in on the bike side. I think everyone raised some good points. Okay. Well, then chime in on the ski side. I think, uh, I mean, honestly, the answer to my last question, Black Crows, uh, the last several skis we've reviewed from them have been quite good, but they've also been a bit hit or miss in the past. Um, but everyone's always been talking about uh, them and had a strong following i think dps mostly because of how much they charge for their skis um if we're talking about overhyped in terms of overpriced uh they'd be on my list just because there are other u.s manufacturers that are charging several hundred dollars less for skis that are quite good for the right people those are the first two that came to mind for me my answer here is stokely just because i think there's a lot of people out there some very loud voices talking about how great Stokely is, how much better they are, um, how it's going to change your life. And they make good skis. I really like yes, they do. The, the Storm Rider 102. It's an excellent ski. Yeah. Um, 
but it's not anything mind blowing. Like it's a really likable, pretty, pretty chill ski to, to be completely honest. Um, and it is almost twice the cost of price of other skis out there, which I'm not sure is exactly justifiable. Um, but yeah, good ski, but again, I don't think the hype is really matching the product. That's so interesting. I had not had Stokely to mind. Mostly I want us to get on a bunch more of their stuff because I actually was so impressed with the Stormrider 102. Um, we've talked about that on previous gear 30 episodes. I could happily ski that ski a bunch in Crested Butte. Um, and I want to ski it more, but I agree with you in the sense of, and I, I mean, I'm, I've talked about this personally on gear 30. It just seems like there's such a loud and vocal, um, fan base, uh, that yeah. Um, can't fathom ever being on something else. So yeah, this is less about, I think the brand and products itself and more about what you are kind of seeing or hearing in the wild. Um, but, um, but that all that said, like it's a, it's a brand that I want to spend a lot more time on a range of their products. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Good thoughts. Um, brand loyalty. This is sort of relevant to a broader topic that we just published on, um, blister podcast, uh, this Monday where we were talking about with David Golay and our running editor, Matt Mitchell, um, these questions of brand identity and loyalty and developing a kind of stickiness, uh, market stickiness uh, for brands or product lineups. But so let's name names. Um, who has the strongest brand loyalty right now? So once you buy a bike from so-and-so, you are always buying a bike from so-and-so. David. I had transition down here again, and I think there's definitely some regional bias playing in here probably a little bit, but there are a ton of people I know who are on their fifth consecutive transition or whatever. And um, I think part of that has to do with what we said about them having done a remarkably good job of being consistent in their kind of brand image and positioning. The bikes have been consistently good and they have just sort of succeeded in being continually at least plausibly in the cool kids conversation for a remarkably long time which has served them very well simon yeah going back to what david said about um the regional aspect of it here in colorado it's yeti hands down hands down and i think um more so um yeah they're an older company so you have more um you have more people you have different generations of riders that um that have been through way more Yetis than they have, you know, like say, for instance, riders that's been on transition who haven't been around as long. So they've built this esteem over a longer period of time. So hands down Yeti. Yep. Yeah. Totally. I think we can move on. I don't think we're going to, yeah, disagree on that one. Brand loyalty on the ski side. I had a few. We've already mentioned Stokely. I've already mentioned DPS. I think is worth including in that conversation. And then uh, Kessley as well. Um, I think uh, on like the freestyle side of things, like Vishnu kids, Owen 3P kids, a thousand skis kids, and jet skis kids all have very strong opinions on their respective brands. 
But in like the broader market, yeah, DPS, Stokely, Kessley were the first ones that came to mind. Yeah, I agree. And I had Moment in there as well. I think a lot of people love the Moment brand and especially in the Tahoe area. I think a lot of people are going from one Moment ski to the next or just building a quiver of 12 of them or whatever. So yeah, I think a Moment should be in there. From thinking about like sheer volume and scale and what like the most, the, the greatest number of returning customers so if we like bump that out, right, and we're really thinking about over the course of 10, 20, 30 years of skiing, I, I was thinking about it this year more from that kind of position. Um, what do you guys think about Vocal? That's the brand that I was thinking of if we're really talking about a lot of repeat customers and Vishnu kids aren't going to be skiing Vishnu for the next 20 to 30 years, I doubt, but Vocal folks ski vocals a long time or at least there's many yeah. of them who do that and maybe more actually than other than other brands yeah i think that was what came to mind when i was thinking about the big brands like i feel like there's less brand loyalty as you get to those larger scale companies but vocal stood out in my mind as one that like i just i was just thinking like do i hear Oh, yeah, I ski vocals. Like, that's something I've heard before. Whereas I don't hear that as much about I ski Rozzy's or Dina Stars Atomic. or Fishers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're down to our last question. We're going to let Simon Stewart go first because Simon has to peel off here in just a sec. So, Simon, you answer. I hope you impress us with your answer. And then you ride off into the, you know, into the night. Um, so, don't blow this. No pressure. Um, which company? would you buy stock in right now? Easy answer. And it's going to move away a little bit from bike companies to a component company to be SRAM, hands down. Go on. Um, they're in a position where they have basically, if we look at um, just a couple of years ago during the great you know, bike shortage, well, they were still selling every part they made at the price they're asking for it. That continues on today, selling everything that they make at no discounted pricing. If you look at the industry right now, nearly every company that sells bikes has been discounting their bikes. But, you know, they still pay the, the market price for that derailleur from SRAM. Um, they've got all the right innovation. They've got all the hot products right now. They've got wireless tech. You know, they've got a new transmission. Uh, they're on a roll, no doubt about it. And that's my pick. Okay, was that cheating by going to a components maker? We've been talking about effectively frame builders this entire conversation. Nope, not cheating. Arguably a little bit, but I think it is a pretty good answer. What so. if you had to go to a a frame builder? Who would you go with? Um, all right. So if we're gonna go gonna go just to bike brands, um, boy, I think. That that's a that's a tougher one because you you want to you want to choose a company that hasn't that's had their forecasting right that hasn't botched you know and isn't selling things at twenty percent off right now, and I, I think in in this weird market I think the direct to consumer model is looking a little healthier at the moment so perhaps I would go with Canyon I think they've got good room to grow on that and um, um, I don't think they're botching on the on the forecasting side even though yes they still have some things discounted just not as heavily as the rest of the industry okay. Hmm. Okay. Hey, man, we'll let you run off. Thank you. Cheers. Um, David Golay, what you got? 
So what I had written down for this is maybe a little surprising, but it's GT. And they're a big company. They've been around for forever, but I, they've kind of had a pretty significant lull in sort of their market position and how they've been doing. And I, from what we're seeing right now, I feel like they are turning things around and on a much more positive upward trajectory than they've been on for a long time. And so it feels like a company that has a lot of potential to grow and do pretty well in the next few years, but also one that is big and steady enough that I feel like it's a comparatively low risk investment. So between those two things, that's where I'm landing on this one. So you're catching them at a good point in history to kind of catch that stock on a lower point. You got some room to ride it up. Exactly. Okay. Dylan Wood. Very economical of David. It's a good answer. My mind went to Gorilla Gravity because I think they're doing cool things in terms of their carbon and their modular frame system and being you know based and produced right here in, in the US. I think Revel was a, was a close follow-up too. Uh, for similar reasons, though they don't make their frames here. Um, but they do have that new uh, rodeo concept downhill bike, the 3D printed composite carbon frame that could be could be cool if, if that becomes a future, um, you know, something that takes off and something that you'd be happy that you invested in early on. So, yeah, I'd say Gorilla Gravity and maybe, you know, to diversify my portfolio, I'd put a little in, in Rebel as well. Since you mean since neither of them manufacture in Vermont, so you you'd consider you'd consider investing in their companies. Exactly. Yeah, both mm-hmm. of them secretly just want to take out Vermont, so that's why <laughs> that's where our businesses align. <laughs> Luke, you got. Uh, I was thinking similarly to Dylan for 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 whatever reason. I think a company that manufactures its own product and has been doing so for multiple years successfully sounds appealing to me. So I had We Are One and Gorilla Gravity. Um, We Are One, obviously, bike frames are newer to them, but they've been making carbon wheels in Canada for a while and have been very successful with that. Gorilla Gravity has been making their bikes for a while, very successful with that. So either of those seem like both pretty safe bets given their track record, but also exciting in terms of them still being somewhat on the smaller side. Interesting. Yeah, I my uh my answer coming into this was still Revel, which I believe was my answer last time we did this. And so far, um I don't remember if I picked them the last two times we did this exercise, but so far I'd say, you know, in terms of just growth trajectories, I'm kind of looking smart. You know, per usual, Dylan, looking smart over here. Not going to get murdered by anyone on the East Coast anytime soon either. So, going to be able to enjoy my amazing stock pick when it pays off. Yeah, the listeners should know we we had to cut out a twenty minute rant by Jonathan about how much he hates the East Coast. <laughs> it was like we wouldn't have been able to publish this episode if we kept it in. It was just so many horrible words. <laughs> Not true. Not true. <laughs> Vermont's the best. I do want to revise one thing I said though. I said that Vermonters are more proud of Vermont than the rest of us are proud about anything. There's one exception to this, and that's sugar loafers. Sugar loafers love sugar loaf, I think, more than anyone on earth loves anything. And then number two is like every Vermonter about like everything in the state of Vermont. 
that's kind of, I think, the pride rankings. Um, but yeah, Sugarloaf, that they just win. Um, so don't say anything disparaging about Sugarloaf, Dylan, because then you're <laughs> dead in like 48 hours. So, um, all right. So on the ski side of things, what are you investing in, Luke? So similar to what David said, I thought about this kind of as what would I invest in as a safe investment and what would my like riskier mm-hmm. potentially higher payout like investment yeah. be safe investment would just be the freaking brands that have been around for like a hundred years like uh, i think the marker vocal del bello group i know at least vocal just hit a hundred years um atomic solomon both of those are owned by much larger companies that i don't see going down anytime soon um as far as riskier, inve- or actually on that note, Moment, I think would be, that's a much smaller company, but they're the largest ski manufacturer in the US. They just moved into a huge new factory. They seem like their trajectory is going up and their scale is a bit bigger than a lot of the smaller indie brands. Um, as far as my riskier investment, I mean... I feel like Candide's ski company, whenever it launches, could either be a huge hit or a flop. We'll see. They're, his skis at Faction sold really well and were everywhere and then kind of got replaced by other models in their lineup because turns out not everyone else skis like Candide. So, I think that'll depend on how much he balances his desire to make a ski that's good for him uh, and no one else in the world skis like him versus making a commercially viable product. But I feel like that's one where you could potentially get in on the ground floor and um, either make it out really well or lose some money. Yeah, good thoughts. My answer my answer is a bit simpler. I just went with Rosignol because I think they've, you know, they've been solid. I think they're doing well. I think they have good lineup. Um, especially dipping into the worlds of like e-bikes and mountain bikes, like when you think of it as a whole, they're, I think they're doing really well. Um, and with their new essential recycled ski, I think there's a really cool concept to be had there as well. As you know, resources get more finite and a bunch of other scary things that I don't want to go into detail about. Um, yeah, I'm going Rosignol here. I think I'm going, I'm looking for upside. I'm looking for upside here. So you guys are wusses um, playing it safe. Um, and on on upside but i still don't feel like it's actually very risky i think i would go j skis um established enough um j is very good at marketing and keeping a fun vibe going and um and they he's been able to get good traction over the years so um I don't see them going away and I still think there's room to grow that brand. Um, so that's my call for this year, this point in time. David? Well, I thought I had a really good answer for this, but then I realized that the reason I had for picking the brand I had in mind is not yet actually being talked about publicly. And so in the interest of not <laughs> being arrested for insider trading, I actually have to bow out on this one. We're just not. We're not going to be able to release this episode. There's just. Too I, many, is he joking? I didn't give anything away there. Rising information. To, <laughs> are you? I can't tell if you're joking or being serious right now. No, I'm totally serious. 
I actually had something, and then you know yeah, some I can't things? talk about it yet. Wait, you know some things? Are these things I, I don't? I know one thing. I don't know if it's not the plural, but yeah, wow. I got one. And is this something that I know and am forgetting right now, or you think I don't know? I'm not sure, actually. Okay, we'll talk. I suspect yeah. I know the source. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk later. Yeah, it's, um, it's revision skis, guys. Revision skis are coming back. They're back. They're, they're doing it right this time. <laughs> you can pre-order time. now. <laughs> Link is below. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a video. But <laughs> um, I think our work here is done. Um, any thoughts, insights, takeaways? What did we think of this year's round? I, I mean, I think we... I think overall, I like kind of where we got in terms of a constellation of answers. Yeah, I think my general takeaway is that like the smaller, newer companies are always going to bring the more exciting changes to the market. And as I mentioned before, weirdly, there are more of those on the bike side, it seems, than the ski side. Um, But then it's also interesting to keep track of like if certain big brands have gone through a change in identity or product lineup, like the fact that like thinking about Rosinol in, in particular, like five years ago, I feel like we probably wouldn't have talked about them at all in this conversation. Um, but they've managed to both tweak their brand image in certain categories of the ski market while still offering a ton of stuff. Like they make everything from skis to bikes to high-end like opera apparel. Um, so yeah, just, I think it's, it's fun to keep track of like the newer, smaller groups and then also just keep tabs on bigger brands and and what they're doing across the whole market. And we do need to say, I mean, we were really focused for like the ski industry just on skis. So we didn't get into the ski boot part of this formula because that would change things up a decent amount for sure. Um, I should probably mention that in the introduction that like we weren't going comprehensive, um, across what some of these companies offer. Um, yeah, but no, those are good, good thoughts. And, and on the ski side, it, yeah, it's, and I actually think it's, it's cool to see kind of a legacy company like Rosignol, you know, be bigger and still hitting with products that people are really excited about. And it's not like they're the only one doing that, but with some of the the generalizations and what's kind of happening across the board, yeah, they came up a number of times. Well, fun folks. Um, all right, so part two of this conversation, which is always a good time, that will run next Thursday over on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast feed. And so um, two things you should do. Give us your thoughts. Put it in the comments, the show notes of this episode, or throw it up on the post we'll have up on social. Which bike company is most like which ski company? And you get major bonus points for actually explaining your rationale. Like, you know... So this, you know, transition is like so-and-so for this reason. So um, y'all have uh, produced some great answers in the past. So I hope you give us some good ones uh, for us to think about and and probably discuss some of them. Um, So, okay, thus ends part one. But now 
It is time for our crashes and close calls segment. Does anybody have a recent crash and or close call story? Yeah, I do. Um, Not a huge one, but recently, this was, I guess, early last week, was out in a ride on some trails that I ride all the time. Um, But it was kind of getting to be towards twilight. Visibility was getting a little bit weird. And just basically cut a little tight on a corner that I've ridden a million times and clipped my hand on basically like a half inch diameter sapling that I just didn't see because the light was weird and totally missed it. And um, fortunately didn't do any real damage. I kind of like spent the evening with it feeling pretty sore and had the thought that like, well, I don't think I messed it up too badly, but if it's not feeling great in the morning, I'll just go get an x-ray. Like, I've got Blitzer Plus. It'd be free. Might as well go play it safe. And as it turned out, I woke up the next morning with it feeling fine and didn't need to worry about it any further. But it was nice having that peace of mind of just not having to think, well, maybe I'll ride this out with it feeling kind of bad for a while and see how it all goes because wouldn't it cost me anything if I'd had any, any cause to. Yeah, that's honestly kind of emerged as one of the things that I undervalued about our blister plus coverage i you know initially i was thinking about it like something goes down you explode you're a wreck and you know you're going to the hospital and like you're covered but the many times i and i was telling somebody the story the other day about how i broke my neck and didn't go to the hospital for five days and could have actually become a quadriplegic by not going to the hospital And now with our coverage, I just would never do something that freaking stupid. So um, yeah, these these anecdotes, it's not just the, oh yeah, when I blow up, I can go to the emergency room. It's all of these instances of which I've had too many of these in my life where it's like kind of do the waiting game. And mine was gnarly. Um, It wasn't like a little sapling. It was like my friends thought I was dead at the bottom of the at the bottom of the run. Um, And so um, anyway, as always, we are very strongly encouraging everybody to take a look at this coverage that goes under our new Blister Plus membership and injury insurance. Check this out. Get crystal clear on what your current insurance does and does not cover and how big of a deductible you are going to have to pay if anything happens to you while you're skiing or mountain biking or boating, etc. All the details can be found on our website. We'll put a link to this in the show notes of this episode. But seriously, folks, don't screw around on this front. Get yourself covered before you go get after it. So finally, what are we celebrating? Switching gears here. Uh, I'm celebrating, well, I'm just, I'm going to make my own segue. I'm currently in the process of getting, uh, medical bills paid by spot through blister plus, which has been super easy so far. Uh, my chin scar is, uh, healing slowly. I shaved about a half of it off, uh, a couple weeks after the accident on act, uh, because I forgot it was there, but, uh, (laughs) On a, on a different note, uh, I'm celebrating seeing my family. Well, when this comes out, I will hopefully be on the way to Wisconsin. Uh, my younger sister's graduating, which means 
of my siblings have now graduated. We'll be back in Wisconsin and that'll be nice except for that it looks like it's going to be awful, awful weather. But we'll get to eat a lot of cheese and various cured meats and drink beer. So that'll be a good time. (laughs) Just going for the most stereotypically Wisconsin activities. Yeah, yeah. We're also going to snowmobile across Lake Michigan um, and uh, yeah, any other (laughs) things you can think of. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Yeah, we'll all celebrate that with you, a a homecoming for Luke. Um, I can't remember. Is this your sister, your favorite sibling or your least favorite sibling as we established in the reviewing the reviewer episode we did some time ago? She is my favorite sister. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Fair. All right, everybody. Um, That's all we got for you this week. Thanks so much to our delightful crew here. Um, Y'all did, y'all did good. I'm impressed with what you did. Part two comes out next Thursday on our bikes and big ideas feed. So you can check that out there. Uh, Thanks also, as always to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode And we will talk to you all real soon. Have a great weekend, everybody.